Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. I bet you didn't know that inventing activity by black inventors peaked in 1899, and it has never recovered. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of white college graduates. That's just one of the reasons why you need to know about Invent Together. When our patent system gets more diverse, our nation will get stronger and more successful. Find out how you can help diverse inventors and unleash economic opportunity at inventtogether.org. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Meara, Democratic pollster with GBA Strategies. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the latest polls driving the news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So and we sound good this we week. We sound all right. Hello, everybody. Yeah, We're coming we to you in crystal clear, stereo, non- We can see each other. <laughs> we can hear each other. We can see the stuff in front of us. We're not in a hotel. We're in the same time zone. I mean, we were in the same time zone previously. We weren't we just... using anything, any kind of weird, goofy thing we've never used before. So yeah, sorry, uh, gal- sorry guys and gals. We, we have several jobs between the two of us. None of them are sound engineer, I'm afraid, no. or editor. So, or, you know... We're beginning to explore producer. professional help for uh, We need professional Obviously, it's, it's we need professional help. It's, it's time. <laughs> I'm going to raise my hand and say I need professional help. <laughs> whatever whatever that help may be, I could probably use some. Anyway, but here we are, and we have some – we have a song, and we have some top lines and some polls. What do you think say is happening, Kristen? Well, say goodbye to Hollywood. It's Oscars week. That's in right. In the midst of Me Too everything. Uh, we'll talk about some Oscars predictions at the end of the show. But first, the president's job approval is taking a bit of a dip. Uh, we will... I can't get the volume to go down. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't edit that out. <laughs> professional just, help. Just leave it in. <laughs> professional help. Professional help. Just come, come oh, right here, God. please. <laughs> I, I opened Spotify to turn the music down, and I wasn't playing it from Spotify. I'm a super genius. Okay. What goes up must come down. Presidential job approval is sagging. We've got some ideas of why. Plus, two polls have come out in the last few days on the generic ballot. For the 2018 race, is it D plus 2 or D plus 16? In the words of friend of the show, Logan Logan Dobson, you can choose your own adventure. We will choose ours. Then, Republican policymakers want voters to check their check, thinking that this will help them do better in the midterms, but Democrats think they have the message to push back on the GOP tax bill, and Margie has some fresh proprietary polling she's going to share. That's right. Then guns remain in the news, and as companies split from the NRA and new proposals get discussed, including as we record this episode with the president and a variety of senators that is making quite a bit of news. Yeah, it wasn't safe for me to drive while listening to him talk. uh, Who are voters siding with? And then we'll take a trip down Florida way for some of the latest on Marco Rubio, Rick Scott, and Bill Nelson, and more. But first, our poll of the week. Yeah, so this was pretty interesting. You know, we talk a lot about question wording. You know, I had a call with somebody recently who wanted to know, you know, why use a political, politically minded pollster versus a corporate minded pollster for political questions. And I was talking about being fluent in the kind of political vernacular that comes in a campaign that if you do this every day, that's different. It's just a different set of skills. It's not that one is better or worse. It's just a different set of skills. And then here we have a good example of where question wording really matters in a way that 
could be really important. This is Gallup on education. I'm testing different ways of just describing college or higher education with pretty interesting results. And Kristen, you do a lot of work on this topic. What did you think when you saw these numbers? I do. I, I do a lot of work in this area and I loved this question. So I have a lot of clients who in the education space the word post-secondary education is used because it's this catch-all for everything from, you know, a graduate degree to a credential that certifies you in something, right? right? It's a big, broad, all-encompassing term. But a lot of people don't really know what post-secondary education means. Right. Like what's secondary and therefore what's post-secondary term. Um, and so, you know, I've had clients that, you know, they'll put together messaging. that's like, we believe that it is important that every student have access to quality post-second education. And you kind of want to be like, speak English. But the problem is, okay, so what's English in this, in this situation? If you just use the phrase colleges and universities, people think of the green lawn and kids living in their dorms and everybody graduating after four, maybe four and a half years, you know, after majoring in liberal arts. And that's too narrow. Um, specific things like community colleges, that's also, you know, too narrow when you want to talk about all post-secondary education. Then there's also this term higher education that people can use, which, uh, is also fairly vague, but, but maybe less wonky sounding than right. post-secondary. And, but, you know, does it have like a value ascribed to it while these other words are more neutral? Yeah, higher, you know, right. is a positive, it's right. elevated. It's, right. And so what Gallup did is it tested four different ways of describing this. Turning now to education, how much confidence do you yourself have in blank? And then you've got all four different terms. And the results were not identical between them. Um, higher education got the best ratings with 36% of people saying they have a great deal of confidence in higher education, 19% saying quite a lot. So adding that together, uh, you get 55%, pretty good. Um, for college, community colleges also get a pretty good, uh, good score. Um, they, you know, 29% say they have a great deal of, of faith in community colleges, 24% say quite a lot. Uh, post-secondary, a little lower. Uh, again, the idea is that it is the same thing as higher education technically, but just fewer people really know what it is. And so you have seven points less saying a great deal of confidence in post-secondary education. And then colleges and universities, that's there's a fairly healthy drop. I mean, it's 10 points lower overall if you're combining great deal and quite a lot. And it's 13 points low if you're just looking at a great deal um, that colleges and universities just don't do as well. And a big piece of that when you look at the partisan crosstabs is because Republicans do not have a great deal of confidence yeah. in colleges and universities. And is that because they think of like, can Milo speak there? Is that what it's about? Or or are you getting indoctrinated into liberal ways from your I professor? I think it's more the latter than the former. I really don't think that like the freedom for Milo to make an ass of himself <laughs> constantly is really a high it's priority for most of the conservative why 80% of Republicans I'm wrong about these things. But I do think the like <laughs> liberal professors indoctrinating these kids and yeah. stuff, like I do think that's a big piece of it. Um, and but there's so, still a partisan gap. I mean, there's still a gap. I mean, not a partisan gap, a gap between higher education and colleges and universities among Democrats. 50% of Democrats have a great deal of confidence in higher education. 37% say the same in colleges and universities. So there's a partisan gap, but there's also some consistency in the ranking of all of these terms. Sure. And then there, there's not as big a gap on, say, community colleges, only six points. I think part of 
part of it is not just the the liberal bias thing, but it's kind of, you know, it's this Trump coalition, you know, folks who work in blue collar jobs, these don't feel valued anymore. You know, the left is pushing, everybody's got to go to college, everybody's got to go to college. And I don't know if that's true. So I think there's pieces of that in here. But certainly that term colleges and universities, I think just brings to mind for people, for Republicans, like liberal professors pushing stuff they don't believe in. And I think that is why uh, those ratings are so low. Um, but so I just, I thought this was totally, totally fascinating. Yeah. You know, it matters. And, you know, you might not do this test in your own poll, but Gallup kindly does it for you. So that was our poll of the week. Moving on to Trumplandia, what's going on in the world of Trump? There was a lot of conversation over the last few weeks about the Trump bump in his approval rating and the generic, and people were. Yeah, it had been you know, going it was up a thing. for two months. It and was a thing. What goes up sometimes must come down. It's, He's back down to about forty-one percent. Yes, job approval. Yes, and you know it's hard to know why, obviously, or whether this is you know sticking. But it certainly mirrors. We're going to talk about the generic, but it mirrors a little bit of an opening up of the Democratic advantage in the generic. They're going, you know, varying together. It seems. You know, one question is: Is it related to? sort of escalating news, increasing news out of what's coming out of the special counsel investigation. Um, you see, this is CNN did this poll that shows, you know, th- roughly between two thirds and three fourths, very or somewhat concerned about a variety of different dimensions about the investigation, either the investigation or the threat or worry about Russian or foreign influence uh, in our elections, either past or future. And, There's also, I mean, some of this worry is bipartisan. It's not simply a partisan issue, especially when you have numbers that high. When you see numbers in the 70s like that, you're going to see, you know, sizable numbers of Republicans also worry. This is the same CNN poll. Um, Almost three quarters say they're concerned about foreign government interference in U.S. elections. 90% of Democrats, 68% of independents, and 53% of Republicans are worried. So something that struck me as odd about this is that you have 66% saying that they are very or somewhat concerned about Russian operatives' contacts with people involved in Donald Trump's campaign, which seems kind of high for me considering that most Republicans in every other poll I've seen consistently are like, no, that doesn't bother me. This is all garbage. This is fake news. This is a witch hunt. Mm -hmm. At the same time, they also get 69% very or somewhat concerned about the political motivations behind investigations into Russian interference in the U.S. elections, which is, I guess, the clearest way to word a complicated thing, which is like kind of the Devin Nunes point, right? right? That like this is a politically motivated witch hunt. So so 42% of Americans are very concerned about that. I don't so know. I think it's a little confusing. I think it's confusing. And I wonder if people aren't just going like, I'm concerned, I'm concerned, I'm concerned, I'm concerned. Like to everything mm, in this, right? Are they because straight lining? Are they straight lining? It just because uh, the, the answers vary by like a point or two yeah. between things, but those are like the opposite sides of the coin, and so for their results to look some pretty similar, just uh, something about that just seemed odd to me. So, and then uh, and is this by telephone or online? Well, anyway, so then there's another question. This is the same poll, and it's an adjacent topic to that one, right? So it says, thinking about the investigation into Russian efforts to influence the presidential election in 16, which comes closer to your point of view about it. You think it's a serious matter that should be fully investigated, or you think it's mainly an effort to discredit Donald Trump's presidency. And there you see a little bit higher 
in the position you're talking about that, you know, th- this is politically motivated essentially, um, with 34% saying that that number has actually, you know, dropped a hair over the last few months, but, um, but that's, yeah. So this is why I think that the drop in Trump's approval rating over the last week is not about Russia because the numbers going back to August 2017, uh, then- it all kind of, it's, it's hovering two or three points in any given direction around a, a pretty constant mean, right? The, do you approve of Trump's appro- – do you approve of the job President Trump is doing when it comes to the investigation into Russian interference in the election? Uh, in August 2017, it was 31 percent. Then a few months later, it was 34 percent. Then it went down to 32 percent, then 31 percent, then 30 percent. These are all – I mean, that, that could all very easily just be noise. Where there has been more movement, it seems to me – is since August on the question of do you approve or disapprove of the way Donald Trump is handling national security? This is he's had a drop of uh, he's had a drop. He went from being plus one to being minus eight or pardon me, minus 10 on this question. So an 11 point net swing. Uh, People are just feeling less safe. And I think that that's probably related in part to the gun issue. Right. Um, Although he's dropped and we don't have this here, but I've seen in previous polls and I'm assuming that's part of it. He's dropped on all kinds of metrics. And we've talked about this before. You know, there hasn't been a lot that he's, there hasn't been an individual issue rating that he's improved on. I mean, there may be some small variants, but I, I think when we've seen people track the how much do you trust on him on this, or do you approve or disapprove how he's handling X, Y, and Z? Most of those ratings have gone down, no matter the issue. So I don't know if it's related to one thing or just sort of general, you know, whatever honeymoon he may have had having now been sure. be long ago. But it seems to me that it is probably not like Rick Gates flipped and is gonna and Jared Kushner's losing his security clearance yeah. and stuff like because just all the Russia stuff. Those numbers are so consistent. And it's probably the same group of folks just eating that story up and following it closely and the same group of folks, you know, not (laughs) following it closely. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, obviously, this this isn't going anywhere. This is going to keep happening. So we'll see if this changes. Um, Moving on to the generic. So the generic congressional ballot. So, you know, this narrowed a little bit over the last couple weeks. It's widened. A hair. It's now this is this is five thirty eight average. RCP has an average too. It's forty six Democrats, thirty nine Republicans. That's the current average. And I think D plus seven is what Nate Silver has been tweeting that like that's what Dems would need to win the house. It's either what Dems would need to win the house or like that simply winning on the generic ballot isn't enough because of incumbency advantage and the district lines and all that stuff. And I think he said D plus seven is like the magic number that Democrats need nationally to take the house. Yeah. Well, but there's a lot of variety. That's not how people vote, right? Right. You don't get (laughs) to the ballot and say, would you vote for there, Blue team or the red team. Right. There's a lot of variety in these results. Um, I saw today Logan Dobson, a uh, friend of the show, tweeted out um, a, a screen grab, and it showed that the most recent YouGov Economist poll has D plus two with 19% undecided. That's a huge <sighs> undecided. I'm not really buying that undecided. If you, I feel like a lot of those undecided. Well, it could be leaners are, that they didn't push – Sure. And so I'm wondering if that's a methodology yeah. thing, because then CNN finds 
D plus 16. Right. That is very different than D plus 2. And a much lower undecided. Much lower undecided. So in that case, the Republican number is identical between the polls. The swing is that you knock 14 points off of undecided and you hand them to the Democrats, and that's where the swing is coming from. I mean, you know, and the other thing, I mean, obviously, again, people don't go to the, they're not going to go on election day or do their mail ballot if they live in a vote by mail state and, uh, or early voting, et cetera, and look at blue team versus red team. There are going to be people there. But the, you know, the other thing that is happening is, you know, the lines changing in so many, so many states in Pennsylvania. This happened right before we recorded last week. There were so many changes to the congressional seats. It was really putting a lot of the candidates in play. Are there going to be people who are running in places that they're not from or changing what district they're going to run in? I mean, there was a, you know, there was a whole lot of conversation. It was like, if you, we're playing a drinking game and you drank every time somebody said new maps, you'd be like drunk by eight o'clock in the morning on Tuesday last week. Cause it was like so crazy. Um, so how does that change any of these things in some of these key battleground states? Anyway, the generic ballot question is a lovely thing for us all to track. We all look at it. It's important. We cover it. People discuss it. It's a barometer. It's, it's really not how people actually vote in some of these specific races. And, likely vote is a hard thing to figure out. So so a lot of those folks that say, I'm undecided, they really just might not care that much. And they might not care that much by November. And so are they voting or not? Right. They don't know who the candidates are in their race either. And right before we sat down to record, I saw some folks tweeting about a Midwest Maypore <laughs> uh, the like the pollster pollster org for the Midwest. Uh, they're doing a webinar with friend of the show Masa. Uh, Masa, he's an awesome data analyst. I think he's at Civis now. Mm. He had been at GQR. Yes. That's where I met him. Um, but doing a he does a lot of studying on people's likelihood to vote and was talking about how people are not good at reporting their own intention to vote. That he has found that in his research, people who say eh, I'm about fifty fifty on whether I'm going to vote, that only 18% of those people actually vote. 82% of the 50-50 people stay home. So real hard to figure out who is going to turn out or not, even if you ask people. Right. And if you had a blunt vote screen and you just said, okay, if you're 50-50, forget it. We don't need, that's not good enough. You, you know, some of those people are going to vote. You're missing those 18% of people. Right. So, you know, it's, that's what makes... That's what makes polling tricky, right? It's not mm-hmm. as simple as just saying, are you going to vote or are you going to not vote? Okay. So part of the conversation about the generic and why it moved around or why it narrowed for Democrats and why Trump's approval was was up and uh, Kristen had theorized on last week's show and also on the last – on the lost episode before then <laughs> that it was due to, um, to the tax plan – and we released a tax poll this week, uh, a poll that I worked on uh, with the group Not One Penny, and we sought to challenge the conventional wisdom that having a conversation about taxes. Ooh, debate. Poll, debate, yes. poll, debate, poll, debate. <laughs> so we wanted to challenge, the, you know, this notion that, you know, ta- the tax conversation only helps Republicans, doesn't help Democrats. Republicans have, you know, won this message battle, like case closed and so on, right? Not that you were saying that or I was saying that, that that was sort of the, the kind of easy conventional wisdom when you sort of, you know, hear people talk about this. And so we did a couple things. We, first of all, we did a large sample size. We did 2000 interviews with YouGov, but it was also voter file back. So these were folks with vote history. 
And we did like the initial climate kind of stuff, which is similar to all the public polling. We had a plus 10 Dem generic, for example. Um, but we had, you know, Trump with 41, you know, approval right ratings. Right in line with everybody right, else. Right in line with everybody else, right? Um, and we saw, and you saw, so there was some morning console polling on this too. Like people were, wanted to be, seemed to lean toward being optimistic about the p- plan's impact on the economy. Not overwhelmingly, but, you know, a little bit more optimistic than pessimistic, right? Like in the 30s, saying they feel that the plan has or will improve uh, the U.S. economy a little bit more unsure or ambivalent on how they felt it affected them personally. And then we, this was, I think, probably at odds with a lot of conventional wisdom. You had more, the folks who were really engaged on taxes, the people who said that they had heard a lot or that it was going to be a major factor in their 18 vote. Those were disproportionately Democrats, not Republicans, which is probably a little different than what you might think. And then we did our little experiments. So we had four (laughs) splits. That's why it was good to have such a large uh, sample size. And we divided in, you know, into four different, the sample into four different groups. And uh, we had a pro plan message and then we had two, we had a couple different anti plan messages. And if you heard a one, if you were part of the sample, the treatment that only got the one sided pro plan message, you didn't get any anti plan message. You didn't move as far toward plan support as if you, uh, the folks who got a one-sided anti-plan message, that the anti-plan message actually moved people further in that direction than the pro-plan message did. And having like a balanced conversation about taxes actually, you know, moved people a little bit toward opposition or kept things at parity. So the moral of the story being that it was good to keep, you know, to have a conversation about taxes. You didn't lose any ground by actually talking about taxes, which is a little bit at odds, again, with what people think progressives should or have been doing. What was the pro plan message you guys tested? So the pro plan message is, you know, use like, it puts more money in your pocket and people are already seeing bonuses already, you know, that kind of like, you know, the Republican message you've seen. And neither of them, I should say, had like a party attached. It was like supporters of the plan, opponents of the plan. Um, So that, you know, it was a little bit different in that regard. And here, I can tell you the can call it right up here. And folks who are like my Democratic peeps who listen to the show have been like, I've heard this briefing already. You can skip through this part. (laughs) I I got this already. I've seen this. I've seen this show before. Um, But it was like uh, increases the child tax credit, cuts taxes for small and family owned businesses. Thanks to this plan, Americans are seeing more money in their paychecks. Companies are giving bonuses. No one's going to be forced to pay a fine if they don't want government mandated health care. We put that in. Um, and people can keep more of what they earn. So, you know, it's the stuff people are saying. And the reason I ask is that it's always important. And I always think that when a poll comes from a partisan perspective, I always give it more credibility if I feel like it gets my side's arguments right. Right. Because it's real easy for pollsters to cheat on that front, right? To say, well, we pitted our best message against their best message, but like their best message is some like you know, garbage third tier, like. Right. And so I will say that the message you just said right there, that's a top tier Republican message on this issue. Like check, that's why, check your check. That's yeah. the thing. If it's, if you're talking about individuals are going to get more money, not like, oh, GDP is going to grow an extra two, you know, like whatever. If you're talking about individuals getting more money, that is the message that I know Republicans believe this is our strongest message. Right, right. And, you know, it is, you know, I think another challenge or another reason, I mean, it's easy to cheat. And also sometimes I think if you're not paying close enough attention to these things, you may not know what the other side, like what their best testing message would be or mm-hmm. what they might want to say. You might like 
just assume they're going to say something not right because you just think like, oh, they're, you know, they're dumb. They're going to say this dumb thing. Like you have to, you know, you have to really put yourself in their shoes and say like, oh, what is the thing that they're saying? Or just take the time to look it up because yep. usually plenty, they're saying it. <laughs> usually the internet is going to have it, you know, whatever it is. So anyway, so that was, uh, so that was the thing that we released. So here's why I maintain my position that part of why Republicans saw this uptick in the polls in the last month or two was related to this tax bill is that I think that it's beyond just the tax issue itself. And it's the, like, you were able to pass something. Yeah. I think, yeah. which, which is different than what you've tested here. Right. I think the, like, yeah, no, oh I my just, gosh, we did not test, party. like, we did it. We did something. We finally did something. Which <laughs> no. is a separate issue. And I, I would argue, I think is an even bigger reason why the numbers went up at first. Cause people didn't, I that mean, may you did be. see the headlines about, but nobody's saying that like you guys aren't, you know, cause that I'm would be, saying that. No, you're I saying would, that. It sad if that was our message. Like guys, we did it. We got an we A did something. We don't know if it's good, but we did, we did it. it. No. Um, I, I do know that right now there are, uh, a lot of Republicans that would like to get Democrats on record as to whether they would vote to repeal the tax bill because Republicans really think that if they can sell this check your check message that and if people are seeing an increase in their pay that messaging will override mess or messaging will not be able to override somebody who goes oh I got more money the question is are people actually getting more money um and according to morning consult they asked this question and they found only a quarter of registered voters at this point 25% say they have noticed an increase in their paycheck while 51% say they have not noticed when they shrink just to employed voters, they find that number gets a little better. 37% say they've noticed an uptick in their pay stubs, but still uh, half over half say that they haven't. So the check your check message from Republicans works if people are actually checking their check and finding that there's mm-hmm. more money there. And I think that's more than anything what this is going to come down to. So, uh, yeah, and I guess, you know, there's also like the amount like we, you know, we're talking to somebody who had like 92, they found 92 cents in their check. So if they're checking their check and it's 92 cents, then it's that a different kind of response than if they're finding, you know, a zillion dollars or a thousand dollars, which would be sizable. Right. Um, okay. So are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees, and it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. So let's turn on, let's turn toward guns, shall we? Which is obviously the big news in polling and the big news nationally still. And there's been lots of uh, coverage about like Google searches and the attention in the media that really shows that this shooting, the Parkland shooting has been different in terms of the attention, the amount of time that, you know, the consistency and the coverage and more so than in past shootings. I think that seems aligned with what some various outlets have shown in their polling tracking, comparing other past, sh- the polling after other shootings, because a lot of these outlets only test views toward guns when there's been a shooting. You know, I'm talking about like the news outlets, obviously. Yeah. 
the institutional groups like Pew and Gallup do, you know, gun work uh, at a variety of different times. Um, so the question, I guess, I mean, there are a couple questions. I mean, there's this like common conversation about it. Is this like, is this new? Is this really, is this really, we mean at this time, there's been real change and it seems different. This time it's different is what Steve Shepard wrote about the morning console poll compared to the last two years that they've been covering it. Um, lots of folks have been saying that this feels different. It seems different, both, you know, that the politics seems different, that the public opinion seems different. Um, you know, I have some thoughts about that, but before I go on a full rant, I'm just curious what you think in terms of looking at like the views that Republicans have or what it means in Florida, which it may have an impact there. So yeah, I think it's, I think in, I, I am still of the mind that it is too soon to tell if this is really quote unquote different. I think if all of a sudden you have President Trump coming out and saying, yeah, you should have to be 21 to buy a gun and stuff like I think that makes things very different. The longer think. he keeps talking, the odds he says something like that. Yeah, seems- I was, I, I was, I was joking with some colleagues. Like, the, the, you said this is like my solar wall experiment. Would yeah. you support or oppose the wall if there were solar panels on it? Like right. you scramble things. Would you support or oppose uh, the federal government collecting weapons to melt them down to turn into the wall? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, no, clearly that's not like a feasible thing. No. But I mean, if, if all of a sudden Donald Trump comes out and is like. Yeah, I don't think we. Why should people have these guns? These guns are dumb. We're gonna. It's gonna be huge. We're gonna get rid of these guns. Like then, what happens? Use this platform to to save lives. Imagine what would happen. You're really hoping he's listening to this show. I don't think he's, he's not. He's he's not. I hate to burst your bubble. Um, so on this, you know, there's the. I believe this is, well, it says SSRS, so I'm assuming this is CNN's polling. Um, They've asked this question, and I know you hate this question. Do you favor or oppose stricter gun control laws? Yeah. I know you hate the word stricter in this question, but they've asked it going back like to 1989. Um, And back in the like pre Newt Gingrich taking over Congress era, you would get like 68, 70% of people saying, yes, I favor stricter gun control laws. That faded during the middle of the 90s, and it kind of hovered around like the 50s-ish. Um, it fell into the 40s during most of the sort of the middle of the Obama presidency. Um However, so what's fascinating to me is they did this poll in October. Um, 52% said that they favored stricter gun control laws. I believe that was very the, shortly after Vegas. Vegas. I think so. Um, I, th- I think so. So 52% to 44% is not a huge gap in favor of favor. The gap now is 70 to 27. That's huge. You go from – It's time for you the go like from, highest number they've had You go had from plus Vegas. 8 to plus yeah. 40. I mean, that's – maybe this is different. Um, I still think it's too soon to tell. I think there could be regional effects. Like, I think it's no surprise that Brian Mast, who is a Republican member of Congress, um, combat veteran, uh, came out with an op-ed that said, like, I fought in war and used an M4, which is the military version of an AR-15, and people shouldn't have an AR-15. And here's my agenda for what we should do to get them off the streets. Um, and I just – I don't think – and he's a member from South Florida. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, I think that there will be potential regional effects. And we have some Florida polling that we'll talk about later. But I also think that there is – 
you also see, I mean, you've seen like a dramatic increase in sales and high capacity ammunition and a lot of people going out and trying to buy guns. And you've seen a lot of companies trying to figure out how they're going to deal with this. Like you have Dick Sporting Goods saying, we're not going to sell these types of rifles anymore. We already had taken most of them off the shelves and now we're not going to sell any guns to people twenty one uh, under the age of 21 and all this stuff. But you also had the NRA pop as a big issue in the last couple of, of weeks for obvious reasons. Um, typically, the strategy of the NRA is to be kind of quiet after these things happen. And that has not been the strategy this time. They have been very out there um, and ha- has become a real hot button. I remember a poll that NBC put out, I think a year or a year and a half ago, that like the headline was, these two organizations are the most popular in our poll. Right. And you won't believe what they are. And right. it was like the NRA and Planned Parenthood, yeah. right? And like not a lot of people loved both of them, but a lot of people did love one right. or the other. So Morning Consult has asked. I still said, I just cited that like a week ago to somebody, that poll still. Like, yeah. Because it's still like such a. Like Republicans can't fathom like how can that many people love Planned Parenthood? And Democrats right. like how can that many people yeah. love the NRA? But um, so Morning Consult did this poll where they said, you know, do you have a favorable or unfavorable opinion of LifeLock, MetLife, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, all of these companies? And then said, like, did you know that in recent days the com- that company has ended their relationship with the NRA? Now knowing this, would you say you have a favorable or unfavorable view? Among Democrats, there some companies got a little bit of a boost. Um, you had a company like uh, National Car Rental that went from being plus 33 to plus 56 among Democrats. You had MetLife go from plus 37 to plus 60. You know, a lot of these companies, before you tell what the you, – before you bring up the NRA thing, there's no party divide on what people think about like Norton antivirus. There's no <laughs> there's no party divide on what people right. think about Alamo rental car. Right. But as soon as you mention the NRA issue and the fact that these companies have ended their relationship with the NRA – you get a you get a boost with Democrats, but you get a huge loss with Republicans. That in some of these cases, like Enterprise Rent a Car goes from plus fifty two to minus nine, Norton Antivirus plus forty five to minus thirteen. So I mean, I am always kind of skeptical of people saying like I'm never going to shop at Company X again because like sometimes that stuff can be pretty short lived, right? Um, but I, I think that there's been a lot of pressure on a lot of companies like Delta, et cetera, you know, hey, end your relationship with the NRA. And some companies have and like other companies, like I think as of press time, FedEx had not. And they were still facing a lot of pressure online. Right. FedEx, you should end your relationship. If I'm FedEx and I'm looking at these data, I may just say like, look, we just ship stuff and and not not engage. Right. Now – you know, one other thought that's not in here is this looks at among Republicans, among Democrats. It's not looking at the relative size. So if you are a company, you want to look at actually how many people are we talking about here? And if there are more Democrats than Republicans, I'm not saying that actually means that the effect is greater among Democrats because there are more Democrats because I haven't done that math and I don't know what the party breakout of this poll is. But that is another consideration too, that if you have Republicans who are leaving their party identification behind and becoming independents, maybe you have fewer Republicans, maybe this this calculation is not quite as simple as which party moves more. So I'll just note that. And you know, you're right. I I don't I don't know what this means. I do know that we've seen a lot of these since Trump has come into office, these moments where people are like substituting corporate actions are looking to make a corporate action as a political action, that this is, you know, people are taking their partisanship that happens, 
you know, everywhere, their partisanship is now becoming so entrenched that they're now looking for, you know, a, a whole set of companies and lifestyle that can then reinforce their partisan views. And this is an exa- another example of this kind of flare up, whether it was like Nordstrom carrying Ivanka's clothes or what, you know, it's just, it's, it's been going on now since Trump took office and was having fights with people on his various CEO councils and so on. Yeah. So this is just another sort of battle in that uh, war, that larger war. Um, but it is interesting where people are forcing companies. I mean, look, and we're not even talking about all these companies actually. Like, it's one thing to sell these products. We're just talking about companies here that have allow like a member discount, right? For a lot of these, or rather than saying like, Norton Antivirus isn't selling guns, but presumably right. they're offering like discounted antivirus services. Right. In the same way that like the AARP yes. and lots of these right. associations. And I'm not saying that, the, I, I'm not uh, saying that, that, Folks on the left shouldn't take these companies to task for that. I'm definitely not saying that. I'm just saying that, you know, the, this is a little bit different. You know, not all of these are in the same category, right? Mm-hmm. Not all of these particular battles are in the same category. But they do show that people want, you know, feel like their political voice is maybe silenced or that there's no leadership coming out of Washington in general. So, you know, help, help us Norton antivirus because like, I don't, you know, there's nobody, you know, nobody's at the wheel here in, uh, in Washington. It, it may be some of that. So yeah, it is an interesting topic for sure. The other thing that I read this morning that I would, I would nudge readers to or listeners to read. And I don't always like encourage folks to read something by partisan columnists, but I actually think that this Ross Douthat column from today, it's, he's, it talks about like woke capital, basically that like if a company very publicly is like, we're breaking with the NRA because we can't stand for, you know, an organization that supports, you know, making it easier to kill children or something. Okay. And then you gain a whole bunch of points with Democrats. But at the same time, that company is probably like, sweet tax reform. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so does being very publicly out there about like, we love LGBT rights and boo on guns. Like, does that distract away from the fact that like behind the scenes, most of these companies are lobbying for things the Democrats really say would say in polls they don't like. That's and fair. What and, is the interplay of that? Yeah. And also, you know, the other thing, too, is they're not necessarily doing this for like – for Twitter or for customers, they could also be doing it for their employees and for recruiting, which is also important for because sometimes people. Well, and also just the people have political views yeah. and sometimes people who run companies want those companies to behave in accordance with what their conscience demands. Yes. So I have some more gun polling thoughts. So you'll probably won't be surprised to hear. And, and so, so, and there are a couple things like one, you know, I've been listening to some of the, coverage when people talk about this. And I hear this same thread over and over again, where people will say, well, you know, the challenge is you have people who are very intense and, you know, who are gun supporters, and therefore it's been hard for Democrats to be in favor of stronger gun laws. Although people say gun control, and then I, you know, it's like nails on the chalkboard for me, but that's okay. And then, um, uh, and then, but maybe now that's different. And because Democrats are more united, they're going to be more intense in their views. And so therefore Democrats feel like they can, you know, move, push away from those folks on the right who are th- these very strong single issue gun voters. And I take a little bit of issue with that. And I'm not saying that that's like, you know, I just want to be clear that to say that it's not that I don't think there's an element of, of some truth to that or that the, that 
perception for sure. I guess I just don't know which has come first, the perception that that's true, that's like created this or that actually being true. Have we on the left over the years, you know, not everybody on the left, right, but collectively and the folks who cover this, not just folks on the left, but the folks who cover this sort of let that perception take hold. And then it becomes like this law of the land that everybody has accepted that folks on the right have always been this incredibly strong, intense group of you know, single issue gun voters and folks on the left are like, man, when I don't really see that completely backed up quite that strongly, not to the extent that you see it repeated as if it was gospel. And that now all of a sudden it has been washed away when, you know, this poll that's come out from morning consult shows majority support, all these different policies. That's been true for a long time. Remember, I had a poll last year that had all these same things here, had majority support, all of them, including majorities in gun households. Do I think that there's been a surge? Sure, in some of these, sure. But is the overall pattern like dramatically different than it was last year when we did our poll, not after, in the wake of any shooting? It was released, it turned out it was released after a shooting, but it was not done during a shooting. No. So it's been true for a very long time that people have majorities, including folks in gun households, even Republicans have supported a lot of these uh, positions. Now, what I think, you know, when it comes to the intensity and when, and like thinking about what's the political calculation, I think, you know, I, I feel like, well, there's always been such a gender divide here. And have we collectively, all of us, not pointing at any one person or group in particular, kind of let the sort of views of men dictate where, where the center is on gun views, where we talk about like, well, the right is, you know, filled with all these people who are single issue gun voters. And so Democrats are just, you know, have had to go along. Well, that's actually more true among Republican men. And what if we had flipped that around and said, we can pick off Republican women who don't actually feel that strongly about this and actually might prefer that there aren't AR-15s in every, you know, available to any teenager who wants them. You know, that's actually something that, you know, a lot of people would support. And then, you know, and if we had had a conversation in that direction for a long time, would the results have been different? And so the Morning Consul political poll, they very helpfully have cross tabs by party by gender, which is obviously important because there's a partisan gap by gender that makes just looking at gender alone not as useful. And for some of these, and I didn't bring my glasses today, but for some of these, you have, you know, real differences in intensity by party, by gender, where women, independent women, feel more strongly against uh, thing, you know, in favor of, sorry, banning assault style weapons than independent men. The same thing with Republican women versus Republican men. The over, the question that they ask, the sort of climate question, do you support or oppose stricter gun control laws? Again, not my favorite way of phrasing it, but even when phrased that way, there's a real difference, you know, there's a little bit of a difference, particularly among independents by gender. Um, and, you know, I haven't dug through, gone through all the tabs that they have on every single question, but it's worth reflecting on whether we have just sort of let this vocal group of that's disproportionately men give the impression that that's sort of where all Republicans are and that that's where the center of America is on guns. And if there were more women in charge of everything, would the conversation we've been having about guns over the last 10, 20 years been the way it's been? And, you know, I, I just don't think so. So anyway, that's my, I'm going to pass the rant stick back. <laughs> Doesn't, I think a lot of the, the conversation that pops up when people say, oh, this issue is like, there are all these single issue voters and this is a, a thing that drives everything. 
I feel like typically that gets reinforced when something happens at the ballot box that people can point to. Like, so for instance, on the Republican side, the idea of like, there are single issue immigration voters, and they're the reason why Eric Cantor lost, like took hold, right? And that, you know, became a thing. And on the, on the gun issue, I'm trying to think of times when gun stuff has been on the ballot. And what I'm, What's coming to mind is, weren't there some kind of recall elections in Colorado right. where Republicans, I think, felt pretty good about like, hey, guns are on the ballot and and the... Yeah, but there have been ballot measures that have passed in some states, you know, and there have been years where the, the NRA's con- campaign contributions had the lowest ROI of any group because, you know, it was a wave in the other year and they were on the wrong side of that wave, mm-hmm. you know, and, but does it then challenge the myth that like the NRA is all powerful and like if you, <laughs> you know, like if you're on their side, you're a winner and if you're not, you're a loser, you know, well, no, that's not really how it goes, right? So there, and, and it doesn't take like a lot of like, like statistical, like hanky panky to show that these myths are not, you know, they're just, they're just myths. And if we want to not believe them anymore, (laughs) would they have changed if we just decided like, we're not going to believe this anymore? So has the, has the perception on guns changed? Sure. Has it, you know, could we have willed it to change by just saying, we don't want to believe this myth anymore because we see that people don't want easier access to guns for people who are already dangerous. Like, that's true. That's been true for a really long time. You know, if we had just decided, like, we're not going to buy into this myth anymore, would it, the myth have gone away a little bit sooner? Really? I don't know. <laughs> so that's my, that's my gun rant. I, I think there are a lot of Republicans – I, my friend Mary Catherine has been tweeting this all the whole last week that she's basically been saying like, okay, Democrats, you think you, you say that Republicans are on the wrong side of this issue, then run on it. And that Democrats in primaries should push their candidates to take bold stances on this issue and say like, don't go, well, oh, but you know, I respect that. Like hunters should be, you know, no, no, right. no, 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 no. Like if you believe this, then knock out all this mealy mouth nonsense and like Democrats should be holding people accountable in primaries to run on this. Yeah. Because she believes, and and a lot of conservatives believe, it's not winning for Democrats to run on it. But at least we should we should actually give voters a choice on it. And so I, I'm not as confident as Mary Catherine is that it's like necessarily a hundred percent good for Repo- I mean, certainly in like South Florida. And as we should talk about in a second, this polling in Florida I think is complicated um well let me let me well on the democratic side first of all everyone's up to their eyeballs in primaries you got you know races with like (laughs) you know 85 qualified you know candidates in them and you know people are there's you know everything every issue's on the table and as i've talked about on this show before you know for anybody out there who's been reading my blog post none of this you could just pass and go on to the next segment (laughs) (laughs) if folks are real fans of margie know that none of this stuff is new um but you know democrats have been united on this for a long time and the number among Democrats for these things are like, you know, very high, right? So it's, um, and the numbers among Republicans are not as high, but they are not zero, right? So, so it's never been in a primary in most parts of the country hasn't ever been this like, you know, like, why are you talking about this? And I can tell you that Democrats in primaries right now are talking about guns yeah. for sure. And it kind of came up in the presidential, right? They are, they're the- reading Mary Catherine's, <laughs> they're reading her <laughs> blogs and like, I'm going to try that. Yes. <laughs> well, in, in, so in Florida, of course, is where Stoneman Douglas High School is and was the site of the CNN town hall that followed where you had uh, 
Senator Marco Rubio show up, take a lot of heat from people over his positions, kind of in some cases make some statements that sounded like he had moved a little on the gun issue compared to past statements. Um, Meanwhile, Governor Rick Scott declined to participate in the forum. And there was a lot of discussion about like, well, wasn't it good that Marco Rubio like put himself out there in a difficult situation and was like, I'm here, I'm listening to you, you're my constituents, I'm going to take your questions. And I was like, "Uh, if I was a political advisor, like... Like, at a personal level, I'm like, good on you, Marco Rubio. I'm glad you went to that thing. But, like, at a political advisor level, I don't really know. And when you look at some of this polling out of Florida, it's a little it's a little ugly I right mean, is now. he challenging, you know, I mean. Well, he just got reelected. He got reelected. Is he challenging the perception? It's all about challenging the different assumptions and perception that he's just this, like, play it safe, you know, uh, like, I'm here until it gets a little hot, and then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go someplace else. I'm here for something kind of that's, you know, going to go down easy. And so is he challenging that by going and having this conversation? Or is is the other thing that could have happened, you walk into an event on CNN, which Republicans don't love CNN right now, in every focus group, and every survey I've seen, Republicans have big problems with CNN. Do you be like, I'm going on to CNN, and I'm going to, you know, and then you kind of like – walk a few things back, and in the process, you don't gain any Democrats. Like, no Democrats are like, I watched that, and wow, now I really like Marco Rubio, and I might vote for him. But you do have base Republicans going like, ugh, he's going on CNN and pandering to the libs. I mean, do you you have the risk of that happening? And so in this latest Quinnipiac poll out of Florida— he probably thought it was it was a little bit that the chance of reward, the risk to reward calculation was probably a little different than it ended up being, I would imagine. Poss- possibly. And again, I mean, when he's up for re-election next time, this could all be like long in the rearview mirror and, and what have you. And as we know, the incumbent president just announced this week he's running for re-election. So Thank goodness we – he you know, made shock sure we news knew. from the Drudge Report. Um, but so this Quinnipiac poll, that one, they had a Bill Nelson versus Rick Scott ballot test. Bill Nelson has been our senator forever. He's a gator. He's an astronaut. He's like a moderate-ish Democrat. Um, Rick Scott has been governor now ending ending his second term and his term limited out. And so in this matchup, they have Nelson only up by four, which I actually feel like is a pretty good poll for Rick Scott, considering that like Bill Nelson is is not like a controversial dude, typically. Right. Rick Scott. I know that's that's a really sophisticated statement. <laughs> Bill Nelson's not a controversial dude, but, you know, like Rick Scott does pretty good on this poll and, you know, wins men by 11 points, loses women by like 18. (laughs) Please do party by gender, everybody. I beg you. (laughs) Um, But then on the generic ballot question for the governor's race, which is a ton of people running on both sides, you've got, I think Gwen Graham is running on the Democratic side, Mm -hmm. um, which like like Graham, that's a big name in Florida politics. On the Republican side, you have Adam Putnam. Putnam's big. There's a, a Putnam County in Florida. He's a statewide office holder now. Um, he's not the only one. He's got some competition, but you know, contested primaries on both sides. On the generic congressional or uh, gubernatorial ballot, you have um, Democrats up by eight, which is not a not a lovely place for Republicans to be. And Republicans have, I mean, we've held the governor's mansion for a long time. If you count uh, Charlie Crist as a Republican because he was a Republican when he was governor before he was a Democrat, that's a whole other story. Um, But like Rick Scott is fairly well liked. His job approval right now, 49 percent. 
Um, even like 23% of Democrats approve of the job he's doing, 44% of independents. And he's been pretty far out there pro Donald Trump. So to be, you know, even with independence, that's a pretty good position. Then you get to Marco Rubio and the numbers are a little uglier. Uh, approve, disapprove. He is 53% disapprove, 40, uh, 38% approve. Part of his weakness comes from he's only at 65% approval among Republicans. Meanwhile, Rick Scott is at 80% approval mm. among Republicans. So again, it's, you know, he's he does a little bit. He does 10 points worse among independents. Um, he does eight points worse among Democrats and he does 15 points worse among Republicans. So it's, 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 it's not great. Um, and his job approval is lower in Florida than Donald Trump's is by just a couple points, but it's, uh, you know, yikes. It does not appear that he has been rewarded by the state of Florida for like, I'm going to walk into the lion's den and talk about guns. No. Rick Scott staying home at a personal level. Like, oh, I wish our politicians would go and walk into challenging situations. I mean, it's, and like, jo- it's their uh, job. I mean, it's their job. Like, you, you know. These polls show that Rick Scott made the right move. I, you know. But then didn't he also, didn't Rick Scott also announce that, like, you can't buy a gun under the age of 21 in Florida now? He broke with the NRA on something. I think yes. so. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I guess he had to say something. Well, so we, this is, oh, I'll be keeping a close eye on this because it's my home state of Florida, but I just, I thought that I'm like, oh, these are, these are bad numbers for Rubio, but he's not on a ballot for a long, long time. Yeah. Speaking of ballots, some other voting that's been happening. I don't know anything about this race. <laughs> this this is like the race of the, in the country you I know the watched, least about. You haven't watched the, the Lady Falls in Love with a Fish Man movie? I haven't no, seen which one wa- is that? Shape of Water. I haven't seen it either. It's like, I think it's some big commentary on the military industrial complex, but it involves mm. a romance with a merman. Like, how hot does Tom Hardy look in Dunkirk? That's uh, my question. Hot, but his mask is on like the whole time. Forget it. <laughs> I vote no. <laughs> Margie, have you, have you ever seen This Is War? No. <gasps> What's that? Oh my gosh. Reese Witherspoon plays a woman who runs mm. focus groups for a living. Really? And she is fought over by Chris Pine and Tom Hardy. Who really? Are secret CIA agents. No. Margie, it's a real movie. It exists and it's amazing. <laughs> Did oh you write God. it? <laughs> In my heart, yes. <laughs> this oh is a gosh. legit movie that exists. It is, I would give it a solid a minus to B plus in the okay. like rom com category. All right. Well, un- the new season of Unreal <laughs> is on, and that's going to be my like aspirational goal for television watching. Um, and uh, my husband's watching this like some Berlin with the Berlin some there's some sort of Berlin like series on Netflix, but it's like got subtitles, so I can't work and watch it. Which oh. It means I'm, I haven't really engaged completely, but it is, it is well done. Anyway, Unreal is what's next for me because I have not seen – I've literally not seen any of these. I saw like little bits of Darkest Hour and that's it. I mean, I couldn't – I love Paul Thomas Anderson. I would love to see I, Tanya. I mean, I would like to be a person who has seen like a <laughs> good chunk of these movies, but this year, is, that's not my year. Yeah, I have – I've seen Dunkirk. I want to see Lady Bird, and I want to see Get Out. I can't believe I haven't seen Get Out yet. Um, I haven't seen The Post. Wait a minute. Now I'm in the same boat as you. I'm looking through this list, and I've got all these movies, right. and I'm like, oh, I wanted to see The Post. 
I wanted to see that. I wanted to see that. I honest to God don't want to see Shape of Water. Just nothing that has been described to me about this film makes me go like, wow, that sounds super compelling. <laughs> so even if it wins Best Picture, like I don't know that that will I do like Frances McDormand. But, you know, I've seen mixed reactions to the three billboards. So, but, you know, but it's already won some awards. So who knows? So are these – these are predictions from uh, – this This is what moviegoers this thinking they would do. This is a poll from USA Today. So this is not – like is there things like 538 – or I've seen ones that like aggregate all of the awards like the BAFTAs and the SAG Awards and the Golden Globes and they're like, oh, which ones are the most predictive and have given like pretty Un- concrete – Unskew the like, polls on – Yeah, like this is probably what's going to happen. And like Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour – like that's a that's like a slam dunk. It seems like the Academy always likes when people like you know don't look like themselves. That's I, always their thing, right? Like, oh, yes. they're wearing a fake nose, you know? They're wearing a fake face, you know? Like they, I, somebody they put gain together. forty pounds, you know? They they <laughs> give them the Oscar, you know? Someone put together a compilation of all of the different roles Gary Oldman has had, and there were so many that I was like, oh wait, that was Gary Oldman? Yeah. Like I went through this like, wait, oh yeah, he was serious black. Well, I knew he was Commissioner Gordon in the Batman movie. Wait a minute. But he was also, hang on. And like, it was just this like sequence of like, oh yeah, that was Gary Oldman. Oh, that was Gary Oldman. Oh, that was Gary Oldman. Yeah, he good. looks totally different in all these roles. Um, yeah. Best actress, top pick, France, Frances McDormand. Um, supporting actor was to- uh, Sam Rockwell uh, is number one. I think he's favored for that as well. When I was looking at the, uh, mm. oh, Willem Dafoe, Florida Project. He's not favored, but that – I think of all the movies that I haven't seen that are nominated for things, that's number one on my list because it's all about folks that, like, live in these motels on 441, which is a road right outside of Disney. Mm-hmm. And it is right by that my house where I grew mm. up. Um, like, I got married in that town celebration, which is, right. that, like, Disney-ish, you know, super happy. But, like, right outside of celebration. Celebration, you get into celebration from 441 and, like, right outside. You bring is, a little bit of that celebration with you wherever I you go. I do. A little <laughs> of that Disney magic. Um, you know, right outside of celebration is, like, it's a different universe, mm. right? There's just, it's, like, motel. And, and a mm. lot of, you know, the bowling alley where I had my 12th birthday party, like, it's all closed and shuttered and all around mm. it are these like you know kind of rundown motels and stuff and it's pe- where people live who are still experiencing the after effects of the recession and mm. um anyhow oh, that's, that's what florida project is about and so i've heard extraordinary things about it and really want to see it uh supporting actress allison janney i tanya has she won before anything allison janney i just am a super I think fan she won uh I for think the she hours won the golden globe mm. didn't she win the golden globe for i, I tanya Am I losing my mind? Maybe I'm losing my mind. Well, I'm I'm looking f- forward to the Oscars, but I confess that I look most forward to the red carpet. Hmm. I am that shallow. Yeah, it's yeah. my favorite thing. It's, it's beautiful. It's pretty. Are the, are, are the Me Too Times Up ladies wearing black again for the Oscars? I don't think so. Hmm. And I also feel like there there was a switch and suddenly everyone was wearing white at one of these awards shows. Hmm. I can't keep up. Well, we'll that's see. a that's a different kind of act, political action, I guess. You know, you Norton antivirus or wear white on the red carpet. Those are your <laughs> your choices, I guess. Okay, some key findings. So when it comes to education, question wording matters, folks. We haven't been kidding about that. That really matters. Um, trouble in Trump 
Trumplandia again, perhaps, and weak gun laws are over if we want it. And I am a completely undecided, unengaged, independent voter in the Oscars, but Good luck to everybody's candidates. You can find us on Twitter at at the pollsters, individually at at Margie O'Mero and at K. Soltis Anderson. We're also at www.thepolsters.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, where we post links throughout the week to the stories we think you will want us to talk about. If you have not yet done so, we love it when you tell your friends about us. We love it when you tweet at us. We love it when you leave reviews. Thanks so much, guys. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks.